0: CIA gave us a school of thought mm-hmm. where we had to understand the psychological advantages that we had over other people. The
1: agency teaches us to recognize it because we use it, and that is we all have personas.
0: One of my favorite personas that you have, I want to call it ditzy, but it's not ditzy.
1: The little lady persona.
0: Yes! <laughs> so you're using kind of inherent sexism mm-hmm. to get what you want, it's I mean do you see why I call you brilliant?
1: That's all soft power and it's really powerful right because hard power you know it's just a bunch of threatening and you can lose your spot at any time but soft power soft power lasts. Mm. I went for an early morning grocery shop yesterday and when I go to the grocery store in the morning I always go to the same one because it's five minutes away right um i always see this older gentleman who's who's a bagger and he actually commented yesterday um he doesn't normally we have like small talk sometimes but yesterday he was like i see you in here a lot (laughs) yeah you must
0: have a huge family
1: (laughs) you know it's funny because we don't we don't but but we we eat eat. (laughs) we eat so much i'm in the grocery store so much um so yesterday we were having this really like lovely little conversation about family and food and whatever. Um, and then when he, you know, I was finished checking out, he finished bagging, you know, they always ask if you need help. I always decline. And, um, and he was like, all right, have a blessed day, honey. And as I'm walking away, I had the thought, you know, because it's, and I don't know if it's a, a thing in the South or, or if it's just me or, um, but you know, I, I, every time an older gentleman calls me something like honey or sweetie or some kind of name, um, you know, I always walk away thinking to myself, you know, there are women out there who would be really Mm -hmm. offended at being called honey, right? That they would take it as demeaning or patriarchal or whatever, but I really don't mind it. And I, I remember when I was in my 20s, I used to call children honey. It was just for me, it was just this like Southern thing that you said, but it's just, I always find it interesting that you know, it always just brings back these memories. I remember when, it, you know, when I was a kid in the 90s, early 20s, you know, 2000s, whatever. And, you know, the women who would get so angry mm. at being called anything or having the door held open for them. I'm like, you know, it's okay, really. Like, eh. <laughs> like, let them do it.
0: So I'm a, I'm a grown man and yeah. I get called honey do you really <laughs> oh my gosh yeah like it's really it's it's not ever insulting or offensive to me yeah but i am kind of it's always surprising to me and we live right now we live in florida mm-hmm. and we live in the south yeah even though if you were in georgia just like 50 miles north of us yeah they tell us that we're not actually in the south which is really funny yeah but yeah so i have especially like the next generation older generation African-American women specifically mm. in this area, mm-hmm. man, they just call me honey all the time. And it it makes me feel like a kid again, right? Because yeah. it's like, oh, I'm just a little, I'm still young. <laughs> I'm
1: still <so, I'm> so <laughs> <funny. laughs>
0: But your story takes me in like, takes me in like five different directions all at once. <laughs> but the first thing is, uh, immediately my mind goes to this idea that what you're talking about mm-hmm. with women being offended by you know, being called honey or having doors held open, especially Mm -hmm. like late 1990s, early 2000s. I feel like what you're talking about is feminism, Mm -hmm. but I have to be honest, I don't really understand feminism. (laughs) I'm pretty sure both your mom and my mom were pretty staunch feminists. Yeah. Because my mom used to always like talk about it,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: but I never actually understood it.
1: Well, so it's funny you say it because I would consider you a feminist I'm a feminist? I'm certain you don't consider yourself. Because feminism is really just the the ideology, the concept that you shouldn't be treated differently, arbitrarily. You shouldn't arbitrarily be kept from doing something just based on your gender. Isn't right?
0: that like, I feel like that's, maybe I'm crazy. I feel like that's kind of common sense. <laughs> yes. Nobody should arbitrarily be kept from doing something because yes. of anything. It's arbitrary
1: yeah so i feel like so i um my undergraduate degree is in african-american and women's studies so african-american studies I and just, women's studies can i just tell you after coming from
0: a military college <laughs>
1: I'm certain that doesn't sound like a real degree. <laughs> that
0: does not sound like a real degree. I don't know how there's enough out there to study, to even call that a oh degree. Oh my gosh, well, there's
1: so much to study. S-
0: so the African-American part I can kind of understand because yeah. there's a long history. Right. But there's women's There's a long studies? history with women
1: too. <laughs> Just putting that out really? there. Really? Yes.
0: Do I still sound like a feminist or do I sound like something else? <laughs>
1: In practice, you're a feminist, right? Okay. When you live life, you're a feminist. Like you're never gonna be like, "Well, our daughter can't do that because she's a girl." Like those words will never come out of your mouth, right? Mm. So I think people, oftentimes, people have this idea of what a feminist is. Like,
0: can I tell you what idea that I, th- I think that is?
1: <laughs> so especially I can't wait to hear it. it
0: well, <laughs> especially as you're telling me that I might be a feminist uh-huh. that doesn't know I'm a feminist. Uh huh. This is turning into a lot of fun for me. <laughs> okay. All right. So when I think of feminist coming from, again, and I'm fully admitting I've never known what a feminist is, but when I think about like what the common idea is of a feminist, you think of like, like women that act like men that are like kind of butchy and mean <laughs> and no, seriously, women that like want the right to like burn bras. And, <laughs> I
1: knew you were going to like, burning bras.
0: It's like, it's like the woke before the woke. No. It's like pre-woke. No, that's, that's totally what I think of with feminism. And I'll tell you why. Here's, here's a story, since you love it when I tell stories.
1: I do love stories.
0: I grew up in a household. And I'm a, so my mom, my father died mm-hmm. when I was very young, like months old, less than a year old. Mm-hmm. And my mom raised me as a single mom mm-hmm. in a household with my grandmother, who was also a single lady a single divorced grandmother right so i was raised by two strong women Mm -hmm. and my mom the one story that she always talks about Mm -hmm. is how she took her bastard son to a women's rights liberation women women's liberation rights whatever it's called Mm -hmm. women's lib lib. yeah i don't know what the lib stands for (laughs) i really don't know much about this but she took me to this this like women's lib demonstration in Washington, D.C. where they were like uh, protesting Roe versus Wade. Mm -hmm. But that's like my thing. My thing is my mom took me to a parade or to like a demonstration Uh demonstration. where she was advocating for women's rights to kill their own babies. Right. And I was her bastard child. So (laughs) I I don't understand necessarily what she was trying to communicate there.
1: She had that. She made a choice because it was available to her that's what she was and the choice
0: was to have me or like yeah. she would have preferred the choice not to have <laughs> I've always interpreted was to I have always interpreted that story through the lens of look at this child <laughs> that I have that you forced me to have that is literally how I have always taken her story <laughs> you're killing <me> right now. <laughs> if, so not, so she was no. she you're was, saying she was protesting because she was because proud of her choice yes. You can you so
1: that's a this is a whole separate (laughs) conversation. (laughs) That kind of
0: makes me want to change my whole relationship with my mom. Well,
1: (laughs) your mom's a great lady. She is a
0: great lady, but I thought that she was a great lady who like never wanted to be a mom. mom. (laughs) Yes, seriously, that is exactly how I've thought of. I'm 43 years old. I've thought about her a long way this way.
1: (laughs) No she chose she she had the choice she chose to have you you're so funny but anyways going back to that's
0: all the stuff i thought feminism was i thought it was you know
1: so what's funny negative
0: net negative is definitely how i've interpreted it
1: i think your previous point was spot on right i i wanted to go into civil rights i ended up going into social work um but you know the civil civil rights which encompasses you know uh you know gender race sexual orientation whatever um, you know it, just like you said it, it should be common sense it should be human to human Yeah, let's treat each other in a way that's respectful and that we take into consideration without you know judging a good book by its cover we take into consideration um, you know how similar we really are so you know instead of it's funny because there are so many things that that you know, traditionally have been um, so. I think about like space and flight, right? Airplanes and whatever. Um, you know, there's so many things that have like, for example, were traditionally male that didn't need to be traditionally male. Like, uh, like our son came back from space camp and he was like, he's he was like. I, I think somebody's gonna be like the first woman to go to the moon, and he's like, you know what's dumb? How has a <laughs> woman never been to the moon before? Was
0: pretty, that was pretty cool. I <laughs> keeps
1: rereading it. That I'm like, was
0: pretty cool. I'm like, did
1: you make that up by yourself? Like, yeah. did you come to that conclusion by yourself? It's so funny. Um,
0: I mean, I think only like eleven people ever have been to the moon.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: yeah. So it's I don't know that it was intentionally anti-woman, but was- but he's super like the the current day astronauts, mm-hmm. like the lineup of astronauts. Yeah. For the current projects, like the Artemis project, mm-hmm. man, it is there are tons of women in there. Yeah, Like really impressive people, mm-hmm. right? That just happen to be females, right? Right. But I mean, scientists and, and doctors and wow. Like it's yeah. his, I think that is probably part of what informs his point. He looks everywhere. You yes. look at NASA's lineup yes. now and there are so many women. And he's like, right. what do you mean a woman's never been to the moon before? That doesn't make any sense.
1: So it's great because he's coming up in a time where um, civil rights movements and you know, feminist movements, and you know they've they've come so far. So for him, it it really does mm-hmm. seem like common sense. Like how is this ever any different? Um, but, you know, you know, a part of these, um, you know, in these fields, a part of what what uh, allows somebody to go up into space or to fly a, a jet plane or whatever, um you know, are there's height requirements. So one of the things I, I read about some time ago was, they make those the spacesuits are really expensive yeah they don't make them for every astronaut they make them a standard size so if you don't and same thing with 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 aircraft right mm-hmm. i think you've told me this yep. where they make the planes a standard size right. if you are if you are too tall or too short
0: you just can't be in the airplane you just can't be in the you airplane. can't like put a phone book in the seat of an f-16 <laughs> To make it so that everybody can fly it
1: although that would make for some kind of great movie or show i don't know <laughs> like, my dad was just telling us the story of his aunt who who sat on three phone books and had to tie like a block to her foot to drive the car <laughs> i mean you know in like the 30s um.
0: <laughs> and before we get too deep into mm-hmm. this awesome conversation because i really want to connect this this idea of feminism Mm-hmm. With the future and the past yeah. that we came from and that our children are moving into. Because again, there's a really powerful spy lesson in here. Yeah. But I want to take just a minute so that we can thank the sponsor for today's podcast episode. Today's sponsor is Aura. And Aura is a cybersecurity company for the everyday person. And I'm a huge fan, I'm a huge fan of this company. We use their app. We use their product. They absolutely give me peace of mind as a parent, as a professional, as an individual. Now, my identity, my entire business is heavily tied to who I am. So I am always concerned about things like fraud and scams and, and identity protection and data protection. And these are all efforts that these are all priorities that Aura executes on really gracefully, not only through the technology that they use, but through the interface that they give me on the app itself. I'm actually able to check things like my personal data through their vault system. They have a vault capability that's present on the app that allows you to actually protect everything from your personal address to your email addresses to your phone number. So it's a really excellent place for me just to check in to make sure that all of my most important data is kept secure and isn't being harvested, sold, or fraudulently stored stolen from me in some other way. And then not only that, but they have this fantastic package for identity theft and for identity protection, so that if my identity is ever compromised, and if you think about it, I've had these situations occur in social media where people have cloned my account or people have have opened accounts that look just like my account for fraudulent reasons. I don't even know why they do it. And for me, it's very comforting to know that Aura has a system in place that can actually stop any kind of genuine identity theft, the theft of my social security number, the theft of my credit card numbers, the the theft of anything that is truly me, because even social media can't prevent people from stealing and pretending to be me on social media. But thank goodness people can't actually pretend to be me in credit card statements or financial transactions. So thank you very much to Aura. Aura has been a fantastic help to me, a fantastic help to my family. If you're interested in seeing what Aura can do for you, go ahead and Click on the link below in the description and you'll get access to a 14-day complimentary trial with Aura, or you can visit aura.com forward slash everyday spy and get the same access to start your two-week complimentary trial to see how Aura applies to you, see how it helps you, see how it protects you. I already know you're gonna love it once you try it because I fell in love with it very quickly and I'm sure that you'll see the value as soon as you click on the link in the description or visit aura.com forward slash everyday spy. Now let me get back to this conversation because I'm absolutely adoring the fact that I'm a feminist without ever knowing it. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like my son is a feminist also without ever knowing it. Yeah. And so that must mean there are so many, there are many, many men out there who are feminists without yeah. knowing it. Even though coming from my background, it doesn't make me necessarily feel comfortable being called a feminist.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I Because think... I
0: just want to be called like an equalist. I just, yeah, people are people. So why do we have to call it feminism to just see people as people?
1: Well, and I think that's totally fine too. And I think that what happens is, you know, when when you have a group that is oppressed for whatever reason, and they start to rise up and have a voice and to be heard, right? There's this pendulum, right? so the pendulum swings from a press from like being silenced to like i am going to be as loud as mm. i can right and then that's where like the bra burning and the all the like all the really that did happen right yeah it that's did not happen. just like a story you that's- can tell how old we are because that, like <laughs> our parents came to age in like the 60s and 70s right um so you know it it the pendulum swings to the other side because you're like you know i'm tired of being silenced I just wanna be as loud as I can so you hear me. But really where we need to be is somewhere in the middle, right? Like mm. the the common sense place is in the middle.
0: It's interesting because when you are as loud as you wanna be, mm-hmm. you become very offensive to people.
1: Yeah, it's it's too much, and it's, it's too and, far. Well,
0: I wonder if that's part of what makes it so that there are so many people who have a negative opinion of what feminism is right? because the, the pendulum is swung yeah can I can I admit something kind of embarrassing?
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, always
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I never understood how your mom and mine mm-hmm. participated in the bra burning days mm-hmm. of feminism, mm-hmm. but then still wear bras. <laughs> seriously. It, it was something that I never understood. And then, in my own lack of knowledge about anything, mm-hmm. I also noticed that in like what 2017-ish, like women stopped wearing bras. Like you can, like young women around, like yeah, in the city, yeah, it's like now. it's a it's a it's a fashion something. I don't know if it's a statement or if it's just in vogue. I don't know. I don't even know what in vogue means. <laughs> but you see women everywhere going braless. Yeah. And I've wondered, like, is that feminism again? Like, is that the is that the eco-friendly version of burning bras instead of burning so. them you just don't use them at all cuz burning them would cause greenhouse gases <laughs> <laughs> So that's, that's the
1: ad- I- right it's the idea that you can like you can be how you want to be like if you're a man and you're wearing dress clothes and you wear right it's traditional to wear an undershirt right like wearing an undershirt is very similar to wearing a bra a bra can be practical or maybe you don't need it and you don't feel like wearing it and you shouldn't have to worry about people ogling you or judging you because you're not wearing a bra. Hmm. And it's just this idea that, you know, I'm a human being. I should be able to do things that I wanna do and not be judged.
0: Okay, so yeah. I, I have to push back on this. I have to push back on this because, <laughs> because this, this is where the reality of it mm-hmm. is very different from the utility of it. Mm-hmm. Because you and I came from a school of thought CIA gave us a school of thought mm-hmm. where we had to understand the psychological advantages yeah. that we had over other people. Mm-hmm. So let's take the example of a girl walking around, modern day female walking around, wants to be seen as just a person. Yeah. Not true. Because to a potential suitor who she approves of, mm. she wants to be seen as mm-hmm. a potential suitor. Mm-hmm. So like ugly zit-faced four-eyed guy, Looks at her. She doesn't want it. It's called ogling. Yeah. Super sexy, well-built, built handsome guy. Mm-hmm. Looks at her. She likes it. She mm-hmm. considers it like uh, flirtatious.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How does that play? How does that work? Same same activity. Mm-hmm. Two different guys. How she, it's, it's her interpretation of the two guys mm-hmm. that makes one uh, oppressive of her rights and one like, welcoming of her interests?
1: Well, I think, so there's a couple of things. So, one, it depends on how each gentleman acts. If each gentleman acts exactly the same way, where they don't overstep their bounds, they don't touch her, they don't say something rude and nasty, you know, then, then you know, they are within, like, normal human behavior. If the guy, like, look, if both gentlemen look at her and they're like hey, it's nice to meet you. My name is Bobby, right? They've both done exactly the same thing. If she reacts adversely because one is, is, you know, doesn't look great, then that's on her because if they both react the same way, very politely, very gentlemanly, right, then Mm -hmm. they're not doing anything wrong. The second thing is that I think the agency teaches us something that most people do that they don't realize that they do, mm. and the agency teaches us to recognize it because we use it, and that is we all have personas, not just one. We have multiple mm. personas that we put on depending on who we're interacting with, and I think that most people,
0: most people do that.
1: Most people do it. They're, and they're just not aware, cognizant yeah. that they're doing it. Yep. And so the CIA teaches us to recognize the personas that we use naturally, and then to cultivate personas that we then use in the field.
0: That's interesting. I I know one of my favorite personas that you have Mm -hmm. is, I don't even know what the right words are for it. It, I wanna call it ditzy, but it's not ditzy.
1: The little lady persona. Yes!
0: (laughs) Yeah, You're like a little lady. I'm a
1: little lady persona.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you're, But it's like it's unassuming and mm-hmm. it's not flashy and it's mm-hmm. not attention grabbing. Like you use this all the time. Mm-hmm. You are a brilliant, intelligent, well-informed. <laughs> I'm, I'm being honest. <laughs> you are an awesome person who is also a female. So therefore you are an awesome female. Mm. And most of the people who meet you have no idea most of the parties you go to the public settings like i've seen you interact with billionaire clients that we have Mm. i've seen you interact with foreign intelligence officers i've seen you interact with so many people and the little lady persona Mm -hmm. where you just like you just smile nice and you Mm -hmm. say nice things and you don't ever talk about yourself
1: yeah so i find the i mean i call it the little lady persona but i think Anybody of any gender could use something similar. It's the persona where you come in very um, non threatening, right? It's the non threatening persona where you come in and you stay quiet about yourself. You ask gentle questions about somebody else, not probing, you know, confrontational questions, but just gentle questions, easing in, like about their family or about little things, and then moving into you know, deeper questions as they become more comfortable with you, you listen more than you speak, Um, you are, um, you behave a bit deferential to Mm -hmm. the other person, because especially when you're meeting somebody for the first time, you don't, even if the other person says something that you disagree with, you don't want to go head to head with them. I mean, when I'm in this persona, when I'm working Mm -hmm. it like this,
0: which is often, this is, is This is like your go-to public persona.
1: Right. You're getting to know that person, right? Your, your, ga- your information, data right. gathering about that person. So you don't want to be like, you think poodles are the best dog? I totally disagree. Yeah. You absolutely don't want to do that. So you defer to them and be like, oh, yeah, I can see your point Tell there. Tell me more. Tell me more, right? So you're a bit deferential. You don't argue right away.
0: But doesn't this go against all of your upbringing in feminism? It doesn't. Because... So... So you're supposed to be a person that stands on your own two feet. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be equal, head to head with anybody that you meet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So why would you act deferential? Why would you act like the little lady?
1: Because I Wouldn't you
0: want to show a little bit of threatening behavior mm-hmm. just so that they know that you're equal?
1: I, I want them in those scenarios, because I don't use it all the time. In those scenarios, I want them to open up to me. And that is how I have found, for me personally, that works. I want somebody to feel open and comfortable with me in those scenarios. Um, I I think it's in line with with. I don't think it goes against feminism because I'm not. You know, I so I have my core beliefs about equality and equity. you know, and and those would come into play. Like, it's not like, you know, if I am really, you know, if I'm advocating for the rights to do something that I would have that persona on. I'd have a different persona on, right? And me having one one interaction with an individual, you know, right in the beginning of the relationship that we're building, I don't think it damages, right? I think it would be more damaging for me to come in with like a hardcore persona mm. of like, it's so nice to meet you. I'm a threat. <laughs> I'm, a, yeah, I'm I a, burn a... <laughs> bras. I'll
0: burn one on your front porch. <laughs>
1: like, I, I'm not gonna tap you on the shoulder. I'm gonna stomp on your foot, <laughs> right? Like, you know, I just think in the in the agency teaches us this, right? I mean, oh my gosh, that some of the some of the the people that spies recruit mm. are horrible people, yeah. right? Like they just they're people that do Heinous things, but you have to develop a relationship with them right. to to influence, to gather intelligence. Like yep. you, you have to do it. And so if you,
0: you came in as a threat, if you came in as a ballbuster, yeah, those heinous people are hypersensitive yes. to anybody who could potentially unmask them for what they are. Mm-hmm. So you have to appear uh, quiet, and you have to appear deferential. Yeah, if you want a heinous person. To demonstrate their true heinous tendencies yeah, because they don't show that side of their life unless they're very confident the person they're talking to mm-hmm. is like submissive to them right
1: and the great thing about a persona is it's something you put on and take off mm-hmm. right so you're not going in there as andy and andy has to start believing in these horrible things to make friends right, right. like andy's not going in there Andy's persona named Bob is going in there, right? So then when you get home, you remove that. No offense to all the Bobs out there. Yes. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, we have had friends who who have worked, you know, deep undercover in law enforcement at the agency, Mm -hmm. and that's what they do. They put on a persona before they go out into the field, and then when they come home, they take off the persona. And some of them who are really deep undercover, you know, they, they live take, in
0: that persona for a long time. Yeah. And it
1: takes them days yep. to put it on and take it off, yep. right? Your average person can have more minor personas that they use in different situations.
0: So there are two stories that come to my mind, right? So the, the first is um, the fact that what you're talking about is a lesson that we learned at the agency called being the dumbest person in the room, mm-hmm. which is an idea that you're not a dumb person. Right. You just want all the other people in the room to think of you as the dumbest person in the room. To
1: underestimate you.
0: To underestimate Mm -hmm. you, exactly. Because if they underestimate you Mm -hmm. at the beginning, then the probability is they will always underestimate you until the end because they'll always be double-checking anything they suspect against their first impression. Mm -hmm. To be like, oh, maybe that person's smarter than I once thought. Mm -hmm. Eh, Probably not, right? Oh, maybe that person knows more than what I thought. Mm -hmm. Uh, probably not like they will forever underestimate you. So that's a huge advantage is if you can get people to underestimate you at the beginning, Mm -hmm. you can basically count on them continuing to underestimate you for the entirety of your relationship.
1: But I also think that being underestimated is something if you choose to, you can turn around.
0: For sure. Right. Right. And that's, that's, I think, where, where your point is really powerful. Mm -hmm. You're underestimated at the beginning, essentially, so that you can, you can slot yourself in Mm -hmm. to being in a relationship with a person of interest yeah. whether that's an intelligence target or some other target mm-hmm. because you will be able to go along with them without ever threatening them so even as you assert your knowledge and you assert your power and you assert your your leverage more and more mm-hmm. they still don't see you as a threat mm-hmm. even though you are becoming a genuine threat right like in any spy yeah. in any spy relationship mm-hmm. there's a handler and an asset right the handler handles the asset. Mm-hmm. Like the handler is a huge threat, mm-hmm. but the asset continues to believe that they're the one in control right. when they're not. Right. That's that's how, how compromised they are. Mm-hmm. They don't even realize it, right? So it's really interesting that you're exactly right. It's this idea of coming in as, in your persona, yeah. the little lady, mm-hmm. People are like forever, they assume, well, gee, is just a little lady. Gee, he is mm-hmm. just, she's kind and she's sweet, but she's, mm-hmm. you know, she doesn't know much and she doesn't talk much. And that's exactly what I like. <laughs> and then by the time you're in like total control of the relationship, they still love you. And mm-hmm. that's the thing that's so fascinating to me is that people love you mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. Like you have friends that you had since like high school. Yeah. I have yet to meet a single person. Who has ever said anything bad about you?
1: Hmm.
0: I mean, a solid sixty percent of the people who meet me have something bad to say about me. Really? Oh my gosh! Yeah, they have something to criticize. They have something. I'm arrogant. I'm rude. I talk too much. Like, and they're not wrong. Yeah. But I, my little Andy persona, or my little man persona. <laughs> I don't know
1: if you have a little man
0: persona. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's it's hard, right? I can do the dumbest guy in the room thing for sure, mm-hmm. but. It always, like, it just doesn't have the, the resilience that your persona does. And it's mm-hmm. really been fascinating to me because it must be something that you come by naturally. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating that you have such a natural relationship with this persona mm-hmm. while also being raised in a feminist household. Why
1: well, I you think that? Because,
0: I'm sorry to interrupt yeah, yeah. you one more time, why people don't like me. <laughs> because you are also female. Mm. So you're a female using the little lady persona, which mm-hmm. is essentially a sexist idea that people have against women anyways. Mm-hmm. So you're using kind of inherent sexism
1: mm-hmm.
0: to get what you want. It's, I mean, do you see why I call you brilliant? Do you see why I put a ring on your finger? <laughs> because it's pretty badass.
1: Oh, well, I'm so glad to know that. <laughs> um, so so one, I think, so a couple things. One, I think that, you know, that personas really you know it's going to be difficult to create a persona if you don't have any of the attributes of that persona right any of the characteristics like your persona it's like it's like when you're playing D&D and you pick your character right like D&D
0: dungeons and dragons
1: sorry dungeons and dragons um you know and you pick your character not everybody
0: knows what it's like to play sorry. D&D
1: <laughs> sorry <laughs> 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 when you pick your character it's like picking your persona you are choosing things at least there's at least one small part of it that you relate to right that is a part of your personality Mm. maybe it's not dominant but it makes it easier for you to play that character to use that persona Mm. the other thing is you know because i i i am a feminist in my heart right and i know that it's you know, when I use the little lady persona, I know I am I am playing on, depending on who it is, right? But that in some situations, I am dealing with, you know, a, a person who is sexist, yeah. um, you know, male or female, right? A person, because well, it can and, go both ways. And,
0: and we're all a little bit sexist. Right. Because all of us have been conditioned in some way to have a relationship with the opposite sex. Right. So we've all got varying the, mm-hmm. levels of like preconditioned yes. sexism.
1: Right. Prejudgments and mm-hmm. you know concepts, so um, you know I I know that the little lady persona can play on those, but the feminist in me is like you know in this half hour interaction I am not going to change this person's mind right. on how women should be on how men should be right. how the relationship should be and gender roles I'm not gonna this is this isn't the time or the place yeah. and me doing this so i can get to know them better Mm. right so i can build an open relationship with them like it's not hurting anything so
0: let me ask you this we we have another we have an intel peer Mm -hmm. um, who was part of an eastern european intelligence agency Mm -hmm. and she is another brilliant beautiful Mm -hmm. female spy yeah right and we worked with her we know her well we're Mm -hmm. friends with her Mm She has a completely different point of view on this than you do. Mm. Because she doesn't have a little lady persona. Yeah. She has like like the sultry lady persona. Yeah. Like she is she actively leans into mm-hmm. her beauty and her, you know, her dark eyes and her curvy body yeah. and everything. Like she care she absolutely presents it all. Yes. Again, as a way of like disarming It's but
1: very disarming. It even is. for women even for me. Yes. Right? It's very so, disarming. So
0: she disarms mm-hmm. both men and women mm-hmm. by being hyper feminine. Yes. You disarm both men and women mm-hmm. by being a little lady, like not being mm-hmm. hyper feminine, mm-hmm. but being like hyper deferential. Yeah. Is that are this is this an example of two people doing using the same tool two different ways? Or yeah. is there like a what's Help me understand, help me find the words I can't use because I'm afraid of pissing off women.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I think, you know, like we were saying before, you know, everybody's, the personas that people use come from something that's natural within them. So she is naturally, I I think from what I know of her, like she is naturally beautiful visually, um, but she is also naturally feminine and that comes across really mm. well. So I think
0: It doesn't seem artificial.
1: Right, it's not not artificial. She's not trying to be feminine. She is naturally feminine. Yeah. So her persona just kind of dials that up and to make it more disarming, right? And so And, and it's funny
0: because it's I think when we call it disarming what we're really saying is it's very attractive. Yeah. Men find her feminism mm. like Comforting and predictable, which is probably why she loves it because mm-hmm. she can anticipate the motive, the mouj, the the decisions and the thought process of yes. every man around her. Yeah, because she's this very classic feminine woman, mm-hmm. and then women also are attracted to her femininity mm-hmm. because in it they see the classic femininity of the past right right? they
1: either see a reflection of depending on the woman they see a reflection of themselves Mm -hmm. they see something that they could be or they see something that they want to be that's true and all of those things help you as a woman relate to her and then when she speaks to you she's not she's um you know uh she's not like a conceited hottie right she is feminine yep so when she speaks to you it's soft Mm -hmm. it's open yep it's inviting yeah right it's not just the way she looks it's her mannerisms and the the words that she uses right it's um she you feel supported by her when she when you have a conversation with her you You, feel like she's listening to you yeah
0: it's really interesting because i feel like what we're talking about is kind of getting into the realm of what in military terms we call hard power and Mm, soft power yes because when men interact with other men, mm-hmm. especially traditional, stereotypical men, right. it's like we have to be hard. Mm-hmm. It's about power and strength and like... Mm-hmm.
1: Who has the biggest stick. Yeah, right? I said stick, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to put that out there. But
0: but for real, no, you're, you're not lying. There is an element of like, in order for me to respect you, mm-hmm. I have to push you around and you have to push me back. Right that's all hard power. That's mm-hmm. very much like saber rattling in the geopolitical world yes. or you build a nuclear bomb. I build a nuclear bomb. Yes. You have a stealth fighter. I have a stealth fighter. Hard mm-hmm. power mm-hmm. versus soft power, yeah. which is what you're explaining with yourself and yeah. with this other female spy that we work with right. and with a, num- a number of, I'm um, guessing, like female, intelligent females of all varieties. Mm-hmm. They have probably all figured this out, this mm-hmm. thing that I am just now coming to realize.
1: Yeah.
0: That you can be non-threatening. hmm and you can be uh, disarming mm-hmm. in a soft way, right. But that doesn't make you a soft person,
1: right. And so, like geopolitically, that looks like, building infrastructure in yep. another country foreign aid foreign aid
0: education exactly yeah.
1: that's all soft power and it's really powerful right because that is how you actually build the roots of a relationship right hard power you know it's just a bunch of threatening and you can lose your spot at any time but soft power soft power lasts mm. right people remember that it like it, like i've i think i've i've told you before you know one of the one of the things that endears me, and we have a, a friend um who what's the most endearing about her is how she treats my children mm. because every time we are with her, she is so good to them. Mm-hmm. and that right there last like she has a place in my heart forever because of how she treats my children. That's soft power
0: yeah and and it's really powerful because hard power is almost temporary, yeah. Because it's always competitive, yep. but soft power is sticky
1: mm-hmm.
0: because it just it's it's there, and it doesn't really ever go away. Right, right. Just like I mean, one day our children will be adults.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We won't care. We will still always remember mm-hmm. how that friend treats our children. Yes, right. Even now, it's been probably a solid half year or a year since we've worked with that Eastern European foreign intelligence officer that mm-hmm. we've been talking about, mm-hmm. and. So much of her style and her skill mm-hmm. in espionage, mm-hmm. it sticks. Yeah. It sticks because it's so soft. I mean, we have dozens of examples of hard case officers who have done yeah. hard things. Yeah. And inevitably, we don't. We end up not liking them, mm. right? But the softer folks, the folks who actually learn how to make themselves memorable yeah. Yeah. in a positive way, yeah. they have that soft power. Yeah. So this all brings me to the question. Mm-hmm that I wanted to talk about today, which is really interesting. Cause I was, at first I was a little curious how I was gonna even be able to answer this question. But somebody wrote in and said, how is it that Andy, mm-hmm. me, how did I rise so quickly through the corporate ranks mm-hmm. at CVS Health, which was the first company I worked for after we left CIA? Yep. How did I rise to the ranks so quickly at CVS Health mm-hmm. using skills that I had learned at CIA? Right. And when I first kind of read that article, where my mind went is I was like, oh, well, it's because CIA taught me how to learn a new skill quickly. Mm-hmm. Right. And I worked as an IT project manager mm-hmm. for CVS Health. I was working within seven or eight months after I left CIA. And I knew nothing about IT and I yeah. knew nothing about project management. Yep. <laughs> I fraudulently got myself the job. And there's no there's no way around lying about that.
1: Well, because we were still undercover. We were still undercover. Yeah, we had a, a covered resume, which was horrible. <laughs>
0: But when I was hired, I had to quickly learn, how am I gonna continue to pretend like I know what I'm talking about? And I 100% used all the skills that CIA taught about how you learn quickly, how you retain information, mm-hmm. how you essentially professionally fake it until you make it, mm-hmm. right? So I was thinking, oh, I'm gonna answer this question. I'm gonna talk about, talk about my adaptability and talk about rapid learning styles and talk about memory tools and talk about all these, th- like, these tactical stuff. Mm-hmm. What I'm realizing now after this conversation is that the real reason I rose to the ranks was because I made myself sticky. Mm-hmm. Because I went in there and I was the dumbest guy in the room, figuratively and literally. <laughs> and I just used it as an opportunity to learn. Yeah. And you know, everybody, all the male personalities that were in that career field at the time, right? Mm-hmm. IT project management, that's a heavily male dominated yes. career field. They were all fighting with each other all the time we Mm -hmm. documentation should be this way format should be this you know Mm -hmm. yada 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 and i just kind of came in i was like hey guys Mm -hmm. like tell me what i can do to help whatever you're trying to accomplish yes and then through that process like the natural evolution of things happened and that the people who were the most threatening Mm -hmm. they were either asked to leave or they were fired or they were promoted Mm And the guy that ended up getting promoted up the chain the fastest was me. Mm-hmm. Not because I was accidentally promoted, but because I had taken a passive stance where I was learning everything yes. instead of trying to show off what I had learned. And then I was helping everybody, mm-hmm. which just yes. made more people want to work with me. So, mm-hmm. you know, I found my way rising through the ranks very, very quickly mm-hmm. without having to be. Like you just like you said the the conceited hottie is that what you call the
1: conceited hottie instead of
0: being some conceited skilled person yeah I I was just sticky
1: yeah and I and you teach this um in in some of your courses the idea that when you're in in a in a work situation you should be asking what does my what does my boss need right. what does my coworker need. And because that is, when I mean, we've talked about this before, you know, um, you know, that is how you build social capital, right? Social, and then as you're building social capital, you can, you know, uh, you know, trade that in mm-hmm. for other things, right? And part of what you trade it in for is opportunity, sort of opportunity, right?
0: Promotions. I yeah. mean, it's amazing that you can turn people's good favor towards mm-hmm. you. You can actually turn that into money. Yeah. If people like you at work, you can ask them to promote you and Mm -hmm. they probably will. Yeah. And people don't realize how powerful that really is. Yes. And you're right. We teach this in our Winning the Workplace ebook. We teach this in all of our workplace Mm -hmm. education, Mm -hmm. where folks who are trying to build a career need to start seeing their career through the eyes of their supervisor. Right. Because their supervisor looks at them as an asset. Yes. So any asset that produces Mm -hmm. is an asset everybody wants to keep right when too often we think of ourselves in our career as we're in control Mm -hmm. like we're the handler and the company we work for is our asset yeah like that puts you in constant competition now you're in the area of hard power right you can absolutely look at your asset you Mm -hmm. can look at your company as your asset Mm -hmm. you can look at your career as something you're in control of 100 you can do that yeah but the way that you succeed is when you do that and you give the appearance Yes. That is soft power. Yes. You give the appearance of, I'm here to help you. Right. I'm invested in this company. I want to see everybody succeed. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, people give you all, they funnel opportunity to you. Yes. Because you are either what they want to be, Mm -hmm. what they see themselves as, Mm -hmm. or what was the third thing? You have three great (laughs) examples, and I want to remember those forever.
1: Or what they currently are. Or what they currently are. So they can relate to you in some way, and that makes you
0: stick. Right. So I guess, so the short answer to the question, how did I rise through the ranks? I rose through ranks by appearing disarming Mm -hmm. and by appearing Mm non-threatening and by enabling other people to succeed. Yes. And by enabling other people to succeed on their rise up, Mm -hmm. they wanted to take me with them because they understood I was the asset that helped them succeed. And that's exactly how it turned out. When I came in as a as a senior analyst, I left four years later as a senior advisor, mm-hmm. four promotions in four years. Mm-hmm. And every one of those promotional steps, the same senior leader, I was following them all the way up. Yeah, They were, all, they were two steps above me, but mm-hmm. they were rising through the ranks and they just kept pulling me along with them. Yeah. Right, they're like, that, that Andy guy doesn't <laughs> threaten me and he helps me get my shit done, he's coming with me. Yep. And it was really useful.
1: Yeah,
0: It was really useful. Thank you very much. That was that was an awesome conversation. Yeah. Thank you for helping me learn about my inner feminist. <laughs> You're and, welcome. And now I think the next thing we have to learn on we have to train my train me for is mm-hmm. how to be, like a little man, a little man persona.
1: <laughs> I don't know if that little man persona is going to work for you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to figure something else
0: out. Something else. Something else is also non-threatening. Maybe yes. a goofy man persona. I don't. The D and D persona. <laughs> The D the, the nerd persona. Oh, it's gonna be
1: so great! I'm so excited. Oh right my now.
0: gosh! If I if I become too much of a nerd, I'm afraid that's gonna turn you on. That's that's well, my
1: yeah. <laughs> Isn't that what you want? <laughs> Duh.
0: True. This will be worth investing our time in. Yes. This will be relax. worth investing our time in. Thank you very much for joining us today. I hope you had as much fun as I did exploring this idea of femininity versus feminist. And how we can use both of them to our operational advantage to get what we want in life, to get what we want at work, to get what we want in the career place, uh, to get what we want in business, and apparently to get what we want at home too, because I'm about to learn how to be a nerd <laughs> for sure. Uh, if you have any comments, please leave them. Let us know what your thoughts were. Let us know any questions you have. If you want to give us feedback on the on the conversation topics, or if you disagree or agree with anything, please leave it in the comments. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear what you have to say. And of course, take a moment to click on the sponsor link that we have below. Go ahead, visit Aura. Take a look at aura.com forward slash Everyday Spy. They really are a fantastic tool if you're looking for a solution to protect your identity, protect your family, protect your data they've been fantastic for me. I want to make sure that you know, you get a chance to know what their product is, what their service is and how it works. And with all that, we will see you on the next show. Take care.